T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's our number two of Inside the Clubhouse. Alongside Bruce Levine, Zach Sadman with you, filling in for Matt Spiegel. Got a lot to discuss at 312-644-6767. If you're just tuning in, we spent the majority of the first hour talking about the new-look Cubs. David Ross is the manager, but there are other aspects to what the Cubs are going to look like in 2020. What's David Ross's coaching staff going to look like around him? Plus, what kind of a team is he going to be managing? Because I think it's fair to say after Theo Epstein's postseason press conference, what we learned is that the Cubs we've become accustomed to seeing over the last five years, it's going to be a different group. There will be familiar names from the core, but not all the core is going to be there. And the next four, guys like Russell and Elmora, Hap, Schwarber, you may see a completely different look from that group. The most interesting thing I think for me right now is now that it's the off season, you don't have to take 20 pair of underwear with you on the road. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Okay. I've so. never had to carry 20 pairs of underwear on the road. Well, you know, inside out doesn't count. That's, that's not really a Bruce, fresh pair of underwear. You, believe it or not, they have never played a game in an actual desert in the middle of nowhere. They play in major league cities. Where you can buy another pair? Where where they have stores in which uh, you can find everything you need. The one thing you will never have to worry about me is uh, making sure that I uh, am clean and look good. Because I promise you, it comes across on the radio. That's arbitrary, but the the (laughs) clean part... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, all those other compelling things that you brought up are interesting. And let's, you know, why why is David Ross being a catcher interesting? And and Zach, uh, we have uh, we have AJ Przinsky talking a little bit about it. And uh, AJ was on uh, this week on on the station, and he gives uh, an interesting perspective as to why. David Ross should be a manager. Well, because catchers are the smartest guys on the field, first of all. And second of all, we are the only ones facing the entire field. So we see eight guys and every player involved, pitching, hitting, whatever it takes, you're involved on every single play. And it just is the only position where you have to be a psychologist, deal with 12 pitchers, 13 pitchers sometimes. And then when they guys get hurt, you bring up extra ones. So, all the all the catchers do is take care of the whole team. So every manager should be a catcher, as far as I'm concerned. There you go. It's simplistic, right? And uh, time, you know, time tells you, and uh, history tells you, baseball that many of the fine managers and coaches have been catchers in the past. Not always of the ilk of uh, of AJ Pruszynski, more kind of like. The David Rosses. Well, you just saw Bruce Bochy retire at the end of this season. Right. Former catcher, one of the most successful managers right. in Major League Baseball history. Same thing with Joe Torre when he was leading the Yankees to the great success that they had in the late 90s and the 
early part. Uh, a guy of by the name millennium. of Girardi just got hired. Right. So I, I, I think Mike Sosha, there, there's a, a great example of, of many uh, former catchers that have gone on to success as major league managers. But speaking of A.J. Persinski and being a, a former White Sox player, and you look ahead to the group that they've established, to me, what's the next step? Because is it a team that's ready to now be thought of as uh, a group that you should look toward being able to go ahead and, and start competing for the American League Central Championship? What do they have to add in order to get there? They need starting a starting pitcher, much like a John Lester, to come along for their fine young group of starting pitchers with you know, Lucas Giolito with Lopez, uh, now with Cease uh, uh, earning his spurs at the major league level. You have Kopech coming back from Tommy John, who will be 100% uh, long before spring training starts. So they need that type of veteran guy that can be an innings eater. What is an in- innings eater in 2020 and 21? It's a guy that goes six innings. You know, a Dallas Keuchel, uh, a Bumgarner. Um, somebody, a Porcello, somebody with veteran status that's not necessarily going to cost you $30 million a year because they're not paying six or seven years for coal at $35 million, okay? And that's, it's going to be the Yankees or the Angels. That's where he's going to go. You can, you can almost automatically say it might be one or the other. What did you learn about the team this year? I learned that um, they um, have the ability in the American League to step it up from 72 wins to 85 next year if just a few extra tweaks. And if you're at 85, that means you can be a wild card team. You can be a, a team in your division that steps maybe into and beyond Cleveland and Minnesota as 20 turns into 21 that uh, this is a, a viable team they're not quite they're not quite deep enough starting pitching wise and pitching wise to say they are a legitimate contender as of yet okay so we didn't feel that way about the cubs heading into 2015 no and, and they they shocked the baseball world and 73 all... wins a year before right so when you look at this white Sox team if they add one of those veteran pitchers that you talked about because i i think you know, when I look at the White Sox, one of the big differences between them and, and say, when the Cubs were rebuilding, those young starting pitchers, because if they can get them healthy, there's a lot to like about the arms on the south side. Right. And, you know, you have Kopech and then you have Dunning, and that was a, a third pitcher in the trade for Adam Eaton, along with Lopez and Giolito, that they like very much. Uh, they have other young pitching coming, uh, but... The key is spending your money wisely. The White Sox have money to spend. Uh, spending it on the proper free agent pitchers, uh, considering trading young people if you wish. You you have enough young people if you want to bring in uh, a trade, if you want to make a trade and bring in uh, an, a left-handed hitter or another pitcher or a bullpen guy. Uh, they can do that. They've traded most of their veterans away. Uh, signing Jose Abreu seems to be a slam dunk that they're going to sign him to a two-year deal, and he's going to continue to be your first baseman. Uh, but they they have work to do as far as adding pitching to that staff. 
312-644-6767 is the phone number talking White Sox, Cubs, and World Series on Inside the Clubhouse. Let's say hi to Mike in New York. Mike, you are on the score. Bruce, last week at the end of the program, you made a comment, which I heard you say that the Whites, not that they could win 85 or 90 games, but that they had to win 85 mm-hmm. or 90 games, and then the program ended. And I wanted to follow up on that. Was your point that from a credibility perspective, a baseball perspective, a fan relations perspective, did I misread you? Did you say they essentially it was essential? That yes. They had to no, win I, I uh, 100% believe that they must step it up. And from all of those things that you're talking about, uh, it's the fourth year of their rebuild, fourth full year. It's actually started uh, in 16 uh, in the in the summertime where they decided not to add to a team that had a chance to continue to compete a little bit. Uh, this, is a, this is a seminal year for the Chicago White Sox organization. They must step it up. They must, they must ride 72 wins into 85. They must make a uh, uh, they must make their mark as far as adding pitching and another left-handed bat to this team. They have tremendous young position player talent. They're going to add Nick Madrigal as their second baseman by the second week of April. You're going to have uh, Brave for a couple more years. Then you have Vaughn, their number one pick. Uh, they're hoping is a, is matriculates by 2021 to be their first baseman. So this there's a young core of outstanding, most likely all-star position players that are going to be ready to start pounding the ball and competing. Uh, what they need to do is add to that pitching and stabilize it. Okay, so we know what Cleveland is. What's Minnesota? Because to me, Minnesota is the kind of team you're talking about the White Sox eventually being, but right. they're there right now. They, they're a team that's still evolving. Uh, they, they need to add to their pitching. The Orderizzi uh, is a free agent. Uh, do they bring him back? Uh, they have uh, some other veterans in their pitching staff that they have to make sure are more consistent. Uh, they have good position players. They have some veterans that, you know, a guy like Cruz, his uh, – Numerical age seems to have nothing to do with the, the continued production. He's just a he's a superstar. He might be fifty years old. He's still hitting forty home runs. After the phones, we go three one two six four four sixty seven sixty seven. Tim in Milwaukee, you're on inside the clubhouse. Hi, Tim. Hey, thanks for taking a call from uh, behind the cheese curtain, guys. Um, just wanted to uh, ask your opinion on David Ross in terms of his uh, relationship with uh, the former players like John Lester and. And Rizzo, do you think they're going to be guys that are going to take feedback from uh, David Ross? You know, Grandpa Ross, he's saying, hey, what you're doing is not good enough. And is he going to be able to tell a guy like Baez enough swinging for the fences and let's actually uh, get on base a few times? And most importantly, will they listen to him? Thanks for taking the call. It's a great question. I think it's one, Zach, that we've all had about, you know, changing your the dynamic of – Hey, I'm in your face. I'm your friend. I'm your teammate. Let's go out and kill him to, Hey, I'm your friend. No, not necessarily any longer. I'm your manager. I'm with you. Let's go out and kill him. Uh, it's a different dynamic. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he has that type of range to be able to pull that off. I feel like there've been a lot of examples of guys who have successfully navigated through that concern, whether it's Aaron Boone with the Yankees, Alex Cora with the Red Sox, whether you look at a guy like 
Dave Roberts in, in Los Angeles, Craig Council in Milwaukee. I, I think these guys and Joe Girardi with the Yankees. You know, now we look at Girardi uh, when when he joins the the Philadelphia Phillies as a guy who's a seasoned manager who has had uh, almost. Uh, uh, you know, a, a retread, if you will. But to me, I, I look at, at Joe Girardi the first time when he took over the Yankees, it wasn't as though he had this wealth of experience. You know, he was no. a guy who had, had played with some of the players that he ended up managing. It can happen if you have respect for the guy. And it, it goes back to what A.J. Pruszynski talked about at, at the start of the show here this hour, that if you respect the catcher or respect the player, that continues even if he's your manager because you know when that guy talks that there is credibility behind it. And I think you look at the way Anthony Rizzo and John Lester respected David Ross as a player, that's going to continue as a manager. And quite frankly, there aren't going to be a whole bunch of players in that clubhouse who played with Ross when they won the championship yeah, in I 2016. Mean, he's, he's going to get by on the fact that he has natural leadership ability. And the fact that he has a personality and range to deal with, as Danny Evans talked to us, uh, you know, people were astounded that he relates to everybody on every level. This is Joe Madden-like. I mean, what was the success of Joe Madden? Certainly he had the 35 years experience, but the capability to relate to uh, metrics, to relate to scouting, to relate to the individual's that he's dealing with on multiple levels every every day. That that's the key to managing and coaching in in baseball now. And uh, you know we see it with Aaron Boone. We see it you know successfully done there. He's going to be the manager of the year this year in the American League. They lost thirteen or fourteen different players for a significant amount of time this year and still managed to win one hundred and four games. You know, there's there was other great managers' jobs, but none better than Aaron Boone. And what does he do the best? He relates to those individuals on a daily basis. He uh, handles uh, the the metrics people to the point where he implements uh, that as part of his uh, lineup on a daily basis. There won't be any pushback from David Ross on that. He is in on it, as you mentioned. You know, he has seen uh, as a uh, as the uh, person that works in the organization for the last three years. Everybody knows him. He understands what is essential. He understands what's important to his bosses. He's going to be able to implement all of that. In addition to understanding the things that made the Cubs complacent over the last two years and has allowed other teams to pass them, and, it, and sometimes it's not just statistical stuff. It's, it's little things that we may never see because we are not in the day-to-day when it comes to the clubhouse. But I think when that happens and you have a player who, who understands those things because he was there when the organization was successful and now has watched as things have kind of started to slip a little bit, maybe he can nip those things in the bud and, and hold certain guys to a, a, a certain sense of accountability that maybe has not been the case over the last couple of years. Will Chris Bryant's grievance against the Chicago Cubs change how baseball and how free agency and uh, arbitration is looked at. We'll explore that coming back after this break on the score, six seven the score.com. It's Zaidman, it's Levine, it's baseball talk in the offseason. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Alongside Bruce Levine, Zach Zabin in for Matt Spiegel. It's inside the clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Talking a lot of Cubs with the hiring of David Ross. Talking about what the next step is for the White Sox. A little World Series action as well. Coming up a little bit later on in the show. I'll give you some numbers to consider. Things that other teams will be trying to emulate based on what the Astros and Nationals have done this season. But you asked uh, a, a very poignant question before we went into time. our last <laughs> our, our last commercial break, and that was uh, the Chris Bryant hearing. And can you share with us, sure, in a in a very Cliff Notes type of version, what's taking place? and what the ramifications could be. Four years ago, uh, Chris Bryant was held out of starting with the Chicago Cubs out of spring training after hitting nine home runs and dominating spring training and prior to that dominating the Southern League and prior to that dominating the Arizona Fall League as the MVPs of both leagues. Uh, He was eminently ready to help the Chicago Cubs in 2015. However... Uh, if the Cubs held him out for a couple of weeks, they would be able to have him for a seventh year uh, via the way the collective bargaining agreement reads. And you must be uh, have 182 days in the major leagues to be considered a full year in the major leagues. Therefore, uh, it's called the mani- manipulation of uh, service time. So they... Scott Boris, the agent for Chris Bryan, grieved this in 2015. It's being heard. It was heard already four years later, and now we have to wait for an arbitrator's decision as to whether he believes there was a manipulation or the Cubs were in the guidelines of uh, handling this according to the CBA. If the arbitrator decides to do something historic and say it was manipulated, he can do uh, he can remedy remedy this with either money or uh, possibly uh, a free agent year coming off the books. It's never been done before, but you have an independent arbitrator who's hired by Major League Baseball and the Players Association to hear this. And there's no there's there's um, once a decision is rendered, that's it because he's being employed by both sides to independently hear these grievances. So basically what happens is either he becomes a free agent at the end of the 2020 season, as opposed to, as of right now, he would be a free agent after the 2021 season, which is a big deal in terms of whether or not you're trying to trade him or all that kind of stuff, what other teams would think about. Or or how the teams like the White Sox, who have Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal, uh, in those situations coming up here possibly uh, this spring, and how... Teams will look at, you know, what they should or could do after this decision is rendered. 
Join Northwestern football at Ryan Field this fall when the Wildcats host Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. Another thing that, speaking of Chris Bryant, now on the field, you know, there are a lot of people that, for whatever reason, and Bryant kind of mentioned this at the start of spring training last year before the, the 2019 season, and he, he mentioned how he had to stop kind of following certain things on social media because the, the reaction to what was a down 2018 season for him kind of popped up and injury plagued and, and down. I, I yep. will, I will just say this when he's healthy, he's elite. Now the last couple of seasons when he's been banged up, he hasn't looked like the kind of player you saw over the first uh, three seasons of his major league baseball career. But, and I think you saw it this year when healthy, he can carry a team. He's that good. He's being held to the standard of the MVP season he had in 2016. And I don't have any problem with that. I mean, you you are considered the, you know, elite talent on the team. You uh, come into every year, and his expectations are no different than uh, fans are. And, and I think that just because he doesn't publicly talk about things that might be ailing him, People rip him. And when he finally admitted late in the year in San Diego that his knee had been bothering him for a a big chunk of the second half of the season, finally made sense. You know, he got that cortisone shot. Then you saw him for about a week, light it up and look like Chris Bryant. And then obviously the knee started to hurt again. And uh, they kind of had to shut it down. And then, of course, uh, you know, running hard because he always plays hard. He gets hurt uh, trying to beat out a double play ball. The the inability... For him to pivot and use right field as a part of his approach probably impacted him from having just a very good year to being having a superstar year because he was not able to do that. And uh, as you see with any really good hitter, if it's Rizzo or if it's Baez uh, handling things properly when he was hot the first three months of the year, if you're going to use the whole field, uh, you have a chance to have a special season. If you're uh, strictly a pull hitter, uh, pretty much like uh, Chris was for most of this year, there's going to be uh, ebbs and flows to your season. And you have to wonder now, just based on what Theo Epstein was talking about, how there's a realistic possibility the core gets broken up, is he the guy? He's the one everybody talks about, right? On the street, everywhere. Oh, yeah, are we going to trade Bryant? When are we going to trade Bryant? What are we going to get back for Bryant? Um, it seems like nobody wants to trade Baez that Rizzo is basically, you know, the face of the organization and uh, not going to be traded. And, and, uh, you know, that's – and Castillo, until Amaya, who's a young catcher in the organization, shows that he can hit a little bit more, um, is not going to be the one traded. So it seems like it's fallen on Chris Bryant to be the designated guy to be traded. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Out to the phones we go. Tom in Westchester, you are on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh, Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. I had a question. Um, With David Ross being named the manager, um, it seems like every year they change pitching coaches, batting coaches, and I'm wondering if after a while the players just think to themselves, this guy's going to be gone in a year anyway. Has there been any talk of who we might add to the staff or who we might uh, retrain, retain from the staff? You know, good teams, whatever whatever sport, has continuity in their staff. Cubs certainly have lacked that. 
And I was just wondering what your feelings were about that. Well, I can tell you that um, most of the staff from all, everyone I've talked to is going to be back. Okay, so Tommy Hadovy will be the pitching coach. I oppose he will be or a pitching coach. I oppose he will be the hitting coach. I think, uh, you know, Mark Loretta did a very good job for Joe as the bench coach. They might have to be looking at a, a different situation because Ross might need a quote-unquote more experienced bench coach, somebody that's been around for a while to help him uh, manipulate through the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning moves, the pitching moves. Uh, and I mean, Loretta could be... You know, easily the guy, but from what I'm hearing, they're going to be looking and interviewing some people, uh, maybe with a little bit more experience. They they think highly of Loretta. I think there's a good chance he stays in the uh, organization, but maybe not necessarily as a bench coach. Going to have uh, a lot of these answers coming up on Monday when David Ross is officially introduced as the new manager of the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. This segment is brought to you by Meekum Auctions. Meekum Auctions, the largest collector car auction company, returns to Schaumburg Convention Center October 24th through the 26th. See 1,000 muscle cars, classics, Corvettes, hot rods, resto mods, and more. Advanced discounts on bidder registrations resto and tickets. Mods. Yeah. At Meekum.com. That's Meekum. That must be a restoration Re- restor- of a modern. Yes. Okay. 312-644-6767. My car could use that right now. <laughs> More than just your car, Bruce, but yes, we're not going to yes. talk about that on the radio. Let's say hi to Tony in Milwaukee. Hey, Tony, you are on the score. <laughs> All right, yeah, Tony. Uh, yeah. No, hey, I'm here. Uh, I was just curious. Um, what are your thoughts on the secondary four, specifically like Zach was talking about earlier? And trading Kyle Schwarber mm-hmm. as one of what the top five or six lowest hitters with runners in scoring position in the major leagues, citing the Bleacher Nation article. Uh, I really think even though he had a spike in power at the end of the year, everybody had a spike in power, right? This was the juice ball year. I, well, I really not think- everybody in the Cubs, but he certainly did. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's time to go, though, right, guys? I mean, he's. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't have I don't have any problem with any of the players being traded uh, because I don't I don't consider it disrespectful, Zach. I consider it respectful that other teams are interested in the quality of what you do. Figuring out the quality of what you do as an individual right now and what the needs are of this team, that's that's the charge of Epstein and Hoyer to figure that out. So when you talk about moving a player it should never be an insult uh, that you might not be a part of the now future because you are the part of somebody else's current uh, wanting to be able to win a world championship. And they might look at Bryant. They might look at Rizzo. They might look at Baez and Contreras as helping them win a championship when the manipulation of this particular team and this franchise might have a different need. You heard Theo Epstein say it. There is no player on the team that's untouchable. And I believe that's true. And he doesn't lie. Theo Epstein tells you exactly what he's thinking. He gave this group another opportunity after the disappointment of the end of the 2018 season. This group didn't take that next step. So it's realistic when your expectation is to win a championship and play at an extremely high level and at the very least make the playoffs by winning the division. Since those things didn't happen... I think everything's fair game. Yeah, I don't think this is a punishment, okay? I don't think it's punitive. I don't believe that 
he's looking to get even or say, hey, you didn't get it done, so the heck with you. That's not that's not the role of a, an executive in sports. The role is to get the very most out of the players that they have. And getting back to your point, they didn't feel they did it with this group. Right. Now, yes, everyone hit home runs. The Cubs were number six in Major League Baseball with 256 home runs this season. They had the second most home runs per fly ball hit behind the Yankees and ahead of the Twins and the Astros. Right. But something that yeah, I look the con- at... The con- we talked about the number coming in. The contact wasn't good. Right. So that plus some of the other issues, when you're running yourself out of innings, yeah, and, and that's a huge issue. You know, one of the biggest differences to me between the St. Louis Cardinals of 2018 and the St. Louis Cardinals of 2019, they improved their defense significantly... Right. And they were a much smarter baseball team when they were on the base paths. Yes, absolutely. And the Cubs made too many mistakes in the areas that are very controllable. I agree. I agree. And it hurt them. Yes, the bullpen was an issue. Yes, injuries were an issue. But injuries also were an issue for Milwaukee and St. Louis. You know who was one of the uh, major culprits as far as bad base running for the Chicago Cubs? Was Javier Baez the most exciting runner on the team, the guy that creates the most spark, uh, the guy that has tremendous tools and is a tremendous player and a guy that, you know, I think people love to watch. But if you look at the first half of the season, I think he was thrown out, maybe we'll have to document it, but as much or more than anybody in baseball, okay? And it wasn't a lot of the daring that was successful in 2017 and 18 was not in 2019. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with Baez as much because there are going to be things that he does that no one else can do, right. and more often than not, he's going to help you win games but, that way. But looking dumb, Zach, looking dumb on the bases it permeates a team, right? But I, I think there were certainly a, a bunch of other players. Of course, I mean, you that, know, Neil Morris and the Russells and people like that. You know, bad base running, bad decision making, bad decision making, uh, not paying attention and missing signs, bad defense. Not, the, the combination of all those things that has to end. Not, yeah, nothing makes a team look worse than bad base running and uh, defensively uh, not throwing to the right base, not hitting cutoff men. Uh, these are things that the, the Cubs have to improve upon. And if you're a home run hitting team, but you're not hitting home runs, say, at the rate of the Twins, Yankees, and Astros, the top three teams, well, that, that puts you in a little bit of a situation. The other thing is, uh, I look at contact rate, and it does matter. Astros, number one in contact ratio in 2019. Washington, number right. five in right. contact ratio. But the percentages. To, to a fan out there, it might not sound right because the highest is 79%, and the Cubs are at 73%, and they're very, very low. Yeah, 22. But, but, it's, but it's a huge amount. Yes. It's a huge amount, but the, the, the rote number doesn't tell you everything you need to know. Well, here's where it does tell you, because I think you put a ton of pressure on defenses if you can put the ball in play. No and, doubt. And and that's something and that's that, what the Astros do. Correct. Last night, the last night is a very very strong example of that, okay? The, the the Nationals left 12 guys on base and they struck out 13 times. The uh Astros left 10 on base, but they only struck out 6 times. 
So the, the ball was put in play for that extra amount of time to, to be able to score those other runs that they scored other than the two-run homer. Now, the Astros are in, at a different level than most teams because not only do they have uh, a team that has the fewest strikeouts in Major League Baseball, they also are right up their top three in home runs. So they do everything well. But the reason the Nationals have been able to stick with them and have the lead in the World Series is because – the Nationals have the fourth fewest strikeouts, terrific in terms of making contact. Sure. And they have those two studs at the top of the rotation. Right. And that's something that I don't think we've talked enough about with the Cubs, by the way. When you look back at 2015, 2016, 2017, the Cubs could throw starting pitching onto the mound that you knew, no matter what the offense did, just based on the pitching, right. that would put you in a position to win the game. And while the pitching is good, it's not as dominant as it was during those first three years. And that's when the Pocota numbers came out at the beginning of the year and had him picked to win 80 to 82 games, something like that, 80, 80, 81 games. You know, people cringe, but, you know, we all thought, and the Cubs front office thought, that the dominant part of the team is the starting pitching and would kick in in the second half. It did not. 3-1-2-6-4-4-67-67. And is that the reason that... More than anything else, you have to go about maybe trading away some of the familiar faces that you've seen over the last five years in order to get a staff that can do those things. We'll discuss next on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The baseball conversation continues on the aptly named Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce let's Levine uh, let's is here. get the phone line, we Zach, uh, because we have more people who want to lit on a chime in and we only have a few precious minutes left before Mike and Steve come in and do what they do so best so well and that's sucked for the next three hours George and River Grove you are on the score hey George how you doing guys we're doing great well let me let me tell you one thing before uh, let me let me rip and then I'll hang up and then you can rip me the, the basic we don't rip premise, we listen yeah. the basic premise that nobody mentions is the money is so ungodly that the baseball players are have turned into independent contractors who are trying to garner as much money as they possibly can. Becoming the best baseball player they can is number two, you see. So they do things that will make them more money, which is hit the ball on the seats. And when you have that kind of a culture, you will fail. And the Sox, in their fifth year, coming up in their fifth year, they're no closer than to get into the World Series than they were five years ago. And they're going to fail again. And whoever's in, in charge, Rick Renteria, uh, the batting coach who says, oh, I never miss what a guy's mechanics, and everyone farther up the line, those people are all going to be gone. I have absolutely no hope of seeing the Sox in the World Series before they put me in the ground. And over on the other side of town, the Cubs, those guys go to the management. I don't know who they went to, but they went to somebody and said, oh, we don't like the hitting coach. And when the hitting coach tells you something that you don't want to hear, that's where you get up. That's where you have a problem. You know, these guys, uh, ask any player, ask David Ross. This would be a good question for David Ross. Now that you don't play and you're not standing at the plate anymore, have you seen things that you did while you were a player 
that you shouldn't have done. And now that you see it from a different angle, you say to yourself, uh, yeah, I could have been a better player if I didn't do this thanks, or didn't uh, do that. Thanks for your call. We'll, uh, we'll get to it, and we're not going to rip you. Uh, you have some cogent things to uh, offer, and we appreciate all, all the calls here on Inside the Clubhouse. We're respectful to you because uh, we appreciate your thoughts and your love of the game. Paul and Valparaiso, you are on the score. Hi, Paul. Good morning, guys. Great show. Uh, quick uh, point. And Zach, you called it earlier. And, uh, the Cubs don't have Strasburg and Scherzer at the top of the rotation, but I still think strong enough pitching, especially if they make some moves. But I look at Washington as an example of a team that has had a long window but never really did anything until this year as far as playoff runs. So that's where I think sometimes we're kind of closing this Cubs window a little early because you mentioned Theo and Boston. They could come back and make some tweaks and be right back in it for the next two to three years. The farm system may prevent that from being a five, six-year run from now. But I also look at Tim Anderson and Anthony Rendon. Tim Anderson, obviously, on the Sox and Rendon. Rendon had a nine, 93 OPS plus at age 25. He didn't come into this great hitter until he was 26. Tim Anderson has a breakout year at 26. We're giving up on guys like Almora and them, and they're probably younger than that. And Schwarber's 26, and we want to get rid of all these guys. Some of them are going to have to stick around. The Cubs are just going to have to do a better job of developing, but it's not like it's never happened. Yeah, you're right. And I, I agree with you, the development part. You know, we've seen Schwarber go back to the minor leagues. We've seen Hap go back to the minor leagues. So that's part of the development uh, that they weren't able to accomplish uh, because they came up and they were successful initially. You know, Schwarber, you know, very strong, you know, first year involved. We're getting blown off the air right now. Hear that music? Go ahead. Continue your thought. Schwarber, you know, they, they all had to go back and repeat eighth grade, you know, and not, now they're doing it, and hopefully Hap will be better. We saw really great results from Schwarber. It was a fun two hours, Zach. We thank Danny Evans for being a guest. Zach Withers for a job well done. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also writing on our website, 670score.com. Sox and Cubs all week long. A lot to talk about as we approach the press conference that we'll be carrying live here on The Score. David Ross being named the new manager on Monday at 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. Thanks for sitting in for uh, Speeds. We appreciate it. You got it. It was fun, Bruce. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.